0: Everyone should be concerned on this affordable housing crisis that we have. And I don't think we're gonna have affordable housing anytime soon. All we're trying to do now is to sustain it and to try to encourage that private sector to assist the government in providing housing. But unfortunately, every policy has been nothing but to discourage our investors. So we have to, uh, again, pivot away. Are we into long term or are we going into short term housing, Airbnbs, student rentals? Are we getting into cottages? You know, this, this is the way we have to think now, just because we have elected officials that are completely out of touch with this industry.
1: Welcome to For Rent Conversations the Better the Rental Industry. I'm your host, Mackenzie Wilson. Whether you're a first time homeowner, an accidental landlord, a seasoned investor, or perhaps just a curious tenant, this is the podcast for you. Join the conversations. We cover best practices, industry news, and one on ones with thought leaders in the rental industry. We'll go deeper to uncover the lessons learned and get to the root cause of challenges facing the rental industry today. We'll empower you with the information you need to be a better landlord or a more informed tenant. Let's get to it. Kayla, thanks for hopping on the podcast with me. It's been a little bit while. I've been excited to get you on the show. We've had a long, even though our relationship's gone back now. I think we, I guess we can start measuring in years now. We've been at both kind of similar size Facebook groups or doing the similar thing in different provinces, Alberta Ontario. But for the folks that don't know who Kayla is. Where does your passion come from? Why are you such a big advocate for the housing industry? And and how did you get here?
0: Um, so I've been a landlord since, God, for 20 years now. And I end up getting myself into politics because the city of Cambridge made landlords responsible for their tenants' delinquent utility bills. From there, putting that out there, I really wanted to get people's opinion on the water billing and mm-hmm. learn together how to fight it. But the, a lot of that has turned into hey, can you fight the Residential and Tenancy Act and Landlord and Tenant Board? So knowing that I haven't had, you know, that bad tenant, you know, just knowing how involved our political landscape is in the housing industry, I knew there had to be a better way to inform all these private housing providers about what was really going on and how they can have a voice when it comes down to challenging these different type of bylaws and legislation that is obviously impacting them as a private housing provider provider and how it's actually impacting their good tenants and even the taxpayers. So I was like, you know what? We got to instead of calling these landlords from Kijiji, I have to, you know, bring them all together as I find them and put them in a Facebook group and that's why we kept growing the Facebook group and then we get ourselves into in-person meets once in a while. It's it's about utilizing our power within our online social media to really influence mm-hmm. our elected officials to do the right thing.
1: Okay, hold on. So I did not know this. You got into politics. What do you mean politics? Like, like you ran for a city council position?
0: Well, I did run for city council. No. Um, like, really? I did because it was, I'm you. not a politician. Don't get anybody confused with that. Uh,
1: no, but I did not. That's all. Awesome. That's a lot of work, just like like straight up. And you got to have a bit of tenacity to deal with the the tough skin, with the, just the general public's comments where they kind of say anything at a whim without really giving it a lot of care or thought. So, get yeah. on you, Kayla. I didn't know that part.
0: Yeah, it was because that counselor she voted against like our water billing policy and then 2 days later asked me out for dinner. And I was like, this is weird. I'm just going to show up and see what okay. she wants. Um and she's like, "So, uh, you know, it's National Women's Day. You're such a positive role model in the community." And I'm like, you didn't just take me out for dinner because of that. So when dessert came around, she asked me if I was gonna run. And I'm like, you know what, Donna? I'm gonna run and I'm gonna run in your ward. And God rest her soul, she just passed away on the 13th of August, but it was definitely an experience that I think everyone should at least try once in their lifetime. I wasn't full speed ahead within a campaign, but I became second place. And I'm glad I wasn't elected in at that time because you know what? Like it really silenced you as an advocate and what you're champion. But like you talk about that negative comments that could come at you because you're running. It was like, she's only doing this for the landlords. So (laughs) it could have been worse, but you know, (laughs) but yeah, you got to get involved.
1: I don't know. That's cool. So, so what was the conviction or what was your motivation here? Like what made you want to do this so bad? Like, was it just because you had a really bad policy come through your local city council where they're making landlords responsible for the water bill? And then you're just trying to rally against that one piece of legislation. And that just kind of snowballed into where we are today with your Facebook group. Is that it was definitely
0: me? the policy, understanding that, you know, I bought this fiveplex, two bedrooms in each unit, all mm-hmm. individually metered. And for government, with the flick of a pen, decide to make me responsible for my tenant's delinquent utility bills. Mm-hmm. And the city is taking over the water billing. So they get the profits, but they're passing their losses off to a third party. That is where it doesn't sit right with me. You know, it's always yeah. about being providing justice or giving people access to justice and what's fair to all parties involved. And in the headline of the municipal act will state that the money to operate water and sewage has to come from the user. Well, the owner is clearly not the user of the utility, but they found this little loophole that just made that a little bit extra pressure to be put on these homeowners who obviously look at today's date, are really feeling the impact of rising increase in in cost. And my job is to make it fair and balanced so that these tenants do have housing providers to provide the units that are desperately needed right across the country.
1: Oh, that's cool. Well, you know what? I could wholeheartedly agree with you, the fact that there's a very poor piece of legislation that has that negative effect, especially in your livelihood. Uh, I'm grateful for folks like you standing up and taking the initiative to say, no, this isn't appropriate and voicing your opinion. I don't think it happens enough. So that's very cool. Okay, awesome. Hey,
0: and now because of that one policy-
1: I always learn something new with you. I love it. Because of
0: that one policy, now the Landlord and Tenant Board is able to evict people if they don't pay their water bill, you know? So we want to still highlight that to our elected officials that your policy on water billing- is, has resulted into tenants you know, at risk of eviction because they weren't able to yeah. pay pay their water bill. So wake up elected officials.
1: Fair. <laughs> well, and one thing I can totally just sympathize with you, Kayla, is I had a lot of apprehension coming from just my Facebook and running and having conversations and helping people learn the business and the legislation and all that stuff to take a role here at Single Key. And i had that same look well people are like oh now you're in the industry you're biased you've got a beneficial interest or whatever it might be they weren't going to look at me the same and i kind of just said you know what i decided to do it obviously here we are now but i think like, if i just do enough and keep doing what i think i can do to make the industry better people will, will see the actions for what they are as opposed to oh there's these things happen behind the scenes but yeah i can totally sympathize if you got on the city council that balancing act you'd have to walk or just how careful you have to be how you position yourself which is it's difficult
0: oh i'm i'm unfiltered <laughs> yeah
1: yeah no absolutely okay cool so man we should have done this a long time ago i did not know that i think that's <laughs> super cool so okay so you, you don't know everything
0: got, yet Mackenzie. not everything no
1: i don't oh no time <laughs> i have a chat i learn something new and that's that's without a doubt okay so you've gone through you did this so then Where did the the Facebook group come around? I guess you were knocking on doors to, and through Kijiji ads, just to rally a bunch of landlords to vote or at least speak up at your city council for this proposed bylaw around the coverage of utility bills?
0: Yeah. So we started from calling landlords on Kijiji, saying, hey, I'm calling about your rental unit. I'm not calling to rent it. I just want to let you know the new tenant that you put in there. If they don't pay the bill, it's going to be going to your property taxes. You have to come down to City Hall. We're having a protest. And I had a protest outside of City Hall's doorsteps. And they, they sent me a letter saying that I couldn't. And then I sent them the media and then the media went and asked them why I couldn't have a protest on the City Hall's doorsteps. And then I received a phone call from the city saying that I can have a protest (laughs) at (laughs) city hall. And then from that gathering, it was like, okay, like, let's keep this going. Let's keep the fight happening. Like, even though you may have won, like lost the battle, the war is still going. And obviously we've able to, broaden that, you know, with the Residential Intensity Act and the Landlord and Tenant Board. And our focus now is the Landlord and Tenant Board because these landlords are completely being taken advantage of. And we feel that, you know, our government is using small landlords as a social agency for the government without any compensation. So again, another unjust ruling of what's been happening and just a lack of preparation. And we see our elected officials magnifying this housing crisis by losing more housing housing providers, and we're gaining them. So my job is to you know, try to take everyone's voices from our group, what their concerns are, and be able to come up with a solution with the rest of the group and harmonize that with our elected officials, especially since we now have a new Minister of Housing and a new assistant to the Minister of Housing, So which is good. We were calling for his resignation, Steve Clark's resignation, just because he's been in power for 2018. And it's nice to see that he's stepping down and we potentially have someone that's more willing to listen to the mom, small mom and pop.
1: So fresh take. Okay. So I'm going to unravel that. You said some pretty interesting things, Kayla. So, so. Two things. How many people did you get to your initial rally? I'm just curious. Uh, of all oh, of I can. Knock-
0: I'll have to show you a little, a uh, little picture. You have me back in the day with my little leather jacket on. Yeah. <laughs> not knowing if a single soul was going to show up, and there was a quite a good amount of people that showed up. Even had elected officials, city councilors, who who've showed up and said that they were blindsided. And sadly, you know that elected official is no longer there. Mm-hmm. But Linda had stated that they were blindsided, and they. Did didn't see that trickle effect of a bylaw that could impact uh the affordability in the housing yeah. industry in general so again sometimes they're just too stubborn and elected officials at municipal their goal is to how can we make money and that was a way for them to do it so we're just waiting so, for so now you,
1: you had a crowd though but you got like 20 30 people to show yeah, up.
0: yeah. Oh, i should do respect. a recap of uh... respect
1: that's pretty good that's a you know, running my Facebook and getting people to attend my live streams like that and to get people to show up in person, that's at that number, that's good for you. That's awesome. And that's then awesome. when you
0: have like, it was the election. So now, whenever these debates happen with the counselors or the mayors, um, you show up and you show up to that mic and you put them on the spot and you ask them, you know, what are you doing for affordability? What are you doing to encourage our private sector into creating more supply? You have to call them out on it. And that's what too many people are shy to do. But I feel like I got to take one for the team and be that nagging wife.
1: Well, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the oil as the the saying goes. And I want to pivot off that last fact to talking about the supply of housing. And this is a fact that I've always been interested in. And especially with... I'll call it probably putting it very lightly, the unbalanced legislation you have for tenants first landlords in the province of Ontario. I wonder what that participation factor is from a supply side, because you guys have had all these headwinds at the different levels of government in your province that makes it difficult or higher risk to be a landlord. How many people have said, you know, enough's enough. I'm walking away and how much supply have you lost in terms of numbers of bedrooms or units going back five, 10 years? I'd be curious to see that picture because I think that would be a stark tale to what you guys are dealing with right now in terms of just the current legislative environment.
0: You nailed it. We're telling people to go to Alberta or Texas, uh, Florida, yeah. uh, Belize uh mexico you know it's we have to pivot you know based on what our elected officials it's a very slow process but it's a needless to say you still need to continue to advocate but then you also need to learn how Mm. to work within a broken system and people are learning different ways because of what we're dealing with and our group and our experts are are ready to share that information to the other members that are out there looking for support and looking for guidance
1: Hey there. Sorry for the quick interruption. This podcast is all based on the collective wisdom of everyone. It's interactive. We absolutely need your input and feedback. So if there's a comment, a question, a best practice that you've learned that relates to an episode or just something that's come across your mind, you think would be great for the show. We are all about taking this collective wisdom to better the rental industry. Please, please share with us. Good or bad, we'll take it all. I've got tough skin. Um, You can send your questions and concerns and feedback all to forrent at singlekey.com. Okay, let's get you right back in that episode. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to ask you probably two more personal questions on this journey of becoming this advocate in the industry. What was the best moments that you've done that you've enjoyed so far of going down this journey and what's been like the worst moment where it's just been like, ah, I hope I have never have to do that again.
0: I say the best is really giving hope, giving hope to these landlords, even property managers and realtors who are looking for help and support and walking them through the process and giving them some creative out of the box thinking ideas that they can adapt in order to, Make the pain of going through the landlord and tenant board less painful. So you know with the gratitude and having people you know post on social media and calling for me to be the minister of housing, uh, or saying that I'm just amazing and sending text messages like you don't even know who we were and you wanted to help us. That's what it's all about for me to continue to do what I do. Because if we don't make the changes fast enough, so be it. We're still going to keep doing it. We're just gonna pivot the way we do it now after October, but. But it is a very much of a a challenge trying Mm -hmm. to do what we are trying to do when we have elected officials that are being changed out like nobody's business. Like, I think we had three assistants to the Minister of Housing in nine months. Like, it's so hard to have a system in play to advocate with these elected officials when they keep changing them. And by the time they get in to understand the issue, they're already out before they can even put a plan in place. And a lot of it is understanding the levels of government and understanding which level of government is the weakest. Um, And for us, it's the region, you know, their goal is to provide housing and for them getting money from the province, but they're mismanaging it and they're mismanaging our taxpayers' dollars. So everyone should be concerned on this affordable housing crisis that we have. And I don't think we're gonna have affordable housing anytime soon. All we're trying to do now is to sustain it and to try to encourage that private sector to assist the government in providing housing but unfortunately, every policy has been nothing but to discourage our investors. So we have to, uh, again, pivot away. Are we into long term or are we going into short term housing, Airbnbs, student rentals? Are we getting into cottages? You know, this is the way we have to think now just because we have elected officials that are completely out of touch with this industry.
1: Okay, well, if I could give you that magic on, Kayla, and you could have one change tomorrow, what would be the one thing you'd change and at what level of government? <laughs>
0: I would say that we would probably, based on today, is that we would probably look for a two-tiered system or a standalone privatization of the Landlord and Tenant Board. I think our members, landlords, and tenants, and taxpayers, because taxpayers just forked up $6.5 million to hire 40 more new adjudicators instead of looking at how they handle each and every case and look at their process. But we do need to hold somebody accountable because right now it's not acceptable to have an adjournment of a hearing and still wait an additional seven to eight months before we can get a new hearing. So we need to hold somebody accountable. And if we can't hold the government and the government can't fulfill their obligations to provide us with a system that does give justice to both all stakeholders, both landlords and tenants, then we need to have a system that is going to be held accountable. You gonna make that happen for me, Mackenzie?
1: I'll get this opinion out in the airways, get more people listening, and keep on creating awareness. I think that's really half the battle is people hear affordable housing issue, they don't know what's really causing it. They hear options like, I call them vote-getting policies around rent control and how that sh- sounds great in the surface. However, it's really undermining the supply issue and the efforts that that we're going towards to try to truly fix the issue at the core, the root of the cause, opposed to a band-aid fix that's towards the symptoms and that never really gets to the cause. So. You know it. Well, maybe this is a good time to pivot. I, can, I could ask you so many more questions, but I know you're a little short in time here. So we here at Single Key are pretty excited to be your main co-host or sponsor of your upcoming event. Um, yes. For the listeners that don't know about it, and especially the ones out in Ontario, which is a large segment of our, of our listeners and our users here at Single Key, which we just crossed the 100,000 user mark of homeowners and landlords just last week, by the way. So Congratulations. Cool. Yeah. What do they know about your event coming up, Kayla? And, and why is it so important?
0: Well, one, we would like to send a special thank you to Single Key for being one of the co-hosts to this conference. It's a very special, unique conference that we host every year. This year is our fifth one, and we have a lot of repeat attendees coming. So, you know, we're doing it right. And and we've always had our opportunity to have elected officials at this event in order for us to harmonize the working way of us trying to work with them. But this time it's gonna be solely on that education piece and the advocacy to educate these landlords on how to pivot within that work, that broken system. What yeah. we need to do now for our rental ad creations, from doing our tenant screening. Tenant screening is the key to avoiding any problems that would result you having to go to the landlord and tenant board. We have our real estate lawyer who is going to be a guest speaker and also going to be giving out addendums, the lease addendums that can be attached to the government standard lease. We're giving that to our attendees because it's about preparing them for the troubling times ahead. Uh, We also have the landlord and tenant board forms. We're going to help guide you because a lot of our landlords here make a lot of Errors within their paperwork that results in their application being dismissed. Or adjourned. So, we want to make sure we have that education to them how Bill 97 is going to impact their abilities to be landlords in Ontario and how to deal with difficult tenants. Uh, You know, I know we have some difficult tenants out there. We're going to highlight and maybe even role play uh, some type of situations that could arise in a way for give people a deep understanding of what to do and how to do it to avoid future problems um, just because we know that our tempers can arise. We even have banking insights. We know a lot of our landlords are going underwater with tenants not paying rent or not being able to get the refinance or they're not going to be able to, you know, renew at that higher interest rate. So we want to make sure no matter who you are, we want to make sure that they have enough education to pivot in these challenging times with the rising uh, mortgage interest rates. And the most time is that investment opportunity. Teach these landlords where else to invest. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. And let's send a strong message to our government that we don't have to keep all of our eggs in one basket. And we're going to be able to go and check out other countries uh, where the numbers still do make sense. Of course, all this information, it's going to feed your mind. We're going to make sure we feed your belly. So we actually have a 10 item buffet. We have our cake, we have cookies, we have our fruit table, our dessert table. So we really wanna make sure that we're feeding your bellies as well to make sure that you are not hungry, open-minded, ready to learn, having some prizes and games, interactions, there is a cash bar so everyone can sit back and enjoy a drink with their fellow private housing provider and really connect as a community because we do have the announcement of what's next for Ontario's Landlord's Watch at this conference and even learning about different programs that could help the Landlord and Tenant Board.
1: Okay, that was a lot. (laughs) I'm going to talk about four or five things if my memory's just good. So it sounds like I heard you highlighted the importance of tenant screening. It's probably one of the most important things in the whole process of a lifespan of a tenancy. Why is that so important? Again, Kayla, for our brand new landlords that are just getting into this industry, or perhaps are forced to be landlords, they don't even want to be here, so they need to understand the landmines to avoid.
0: The tenant screening is the part with, you know, it's not just about looking at it as someone's a willingness to pay. It's also being able to look at if you're going to be able to deal with that tenant if a problem arises. So getting to check out as much information about that tenant as possible and the most part of having our tenants that are in the system of, you know, abusing landlords, they're willing to modify their documents to make it look like they are a glowing tenant that any landlord would want and in which some landlords go oh you're they're great tenants I got to pick them quickly you know look, right. at, look at everything you have to sit back even if you lose that tenant just because you never got back to them quickly you have to make sure you're doing the credit check you're doing the background check you're checking them out on the social media platforms you're checking canly you're checking open room you're able to make sure they're you're checking them on facebook where you might have a mutual friend and that's happened to me quite a bit and I I love it. Love Facebook for that. Um, so we do need to avoid going to the landlord and tenant board and tenant screen is, is the person right there. And there's going to be stuff that I can't really teach online. Uh, yeah. So we are going to be able to teach that at the conference.
1: Okay, that's great. So one thing I want to highlight that you say that's so important that I think is overlooked by a lot of landlords, especially the new ones, is there's really two perspectives or phases when you screen tenants, there's the numbers game, which is actually the really easy part. That's the credit score. Can they financially pay the bills? That's pretty black and white. But you hit another part where it's this long-term relationship that you're going in. It's a business relationship with this tenant. And you have to scope them out in a way to get a feel if you can work with them. Because there's nothing worse than a phone call making your skin crawl because it's your tenant asking for something. You're not going to last long in this business. And it's not going to be enjoyable at all. Mm-hmm. But if you can manage and find a way to understand this person and see if they're a good fit for you to work with them by being their landlord, then that's the other, I think, critical key that often gets overlooked when screening tenants. Now I'm going to pivot to two more things. I'm still trying to go through my memory because you're just a wrap of a bunch of gold nuggets. I should stop
0: sometimes.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, FYI, if you can keep the 45 seconds, I can highlight all these great things you're saying a little bit more efficiently. Well, then, okay I, then I forget money.
0: the rest of the stuff that I'm going to say.
1: <laughs> uh, it's a two-way street. So, you know, what? just to give, again, folks a good understanding, what's the typical cost if someone stops paying rent and they have to go through the LTB to get a resolution? What's that bill looking like these days with average mortgages? Like, Can you give me some examples you've seen recently in your community?
0: Well, one, you have that $186 filing fee for the Landlord and Tenant Board. Then you have the concept of your paralegal, which they could charge anywhere from $500 for a non-payment of rent application, all the way up to $1,500 for non-payment of rent applications, not including their hourly rate in which they're representing you at the Landlord and Tenant Board. And then we have the sheriff. The sh- sheriff is usually you know a little bit more, but it could be about $350 for the sheriff's office, but you're going 12 12- 12 months or longer of not having any rental income coming in so what's that the average
1: is rent right now for for your area oh, just
0: one two, bedroom two, two, is around yeah. eighteen hundred dollars
1: okay and the two-bedroom so, or a house is three four five thousand bucks a month
0: house it could be definitely up to the three thousand thousand mark but you have to take into consideration when you're listening to the landlord and tenant board hearings like these landlords are talking thirty six thousand thirty eight thousand dollars in the arrears wow. because this is just normal you know through the one system there's always another system for tenants who are don't agree with the landlord and tenant board's judgments in yeah. which that could drag things out a little bit longer not including that you know there's their delays with with getting you the order and you can't file for the sheriff until you have the order so it's very catastrophic for you know a private landlord to be in this business it's very risky mm-hmm. and they've taken part in those courses to you know invest in real estate but you got to get yourself into the education portion of managing real estate before you start wanting uh, to dive deep into investing into it
1: absolutely i Okay, so, so many things. So just as a heads up, it sounds like it's very fair to say a typical rent arrears case with a little legal, fee, legal fees you've just mentioned, plus if they've stopped paying on a two-bedroom or what's called a one-bedroom property and I call it $2,000 a month at a minimum of six months, you're already in fifteen k territory and probably going higher. And the many, damages. Yeah, and we're not even talking damage. We're just talking rent arrears. It's pretty scary knowing that like, are you in a position to weather that kind of financial storm? If you're not, this is why the education and the things that Kayla speaks about are so important for us to know. And then the other portion you brought up that was so important. Oh, Bill 97, for the folks that aren't aware of that, what does that mean for people of Ontario?
0: So Bill 97 is something that has slowly been rolling out now because it's actually been passed. Uh, So they are going to create a mandatory payment agreement that needs to be done. What that looks like, we're not quite sure, but we do know that through COVID, there was Section 83 at the Landlord and Tenant Board where they can refuse or delay an eviction based on someone's circumstances being impacted by COVID, or they would encourage payment plans. Now that that time has now kind of expired, they know, that payment plans are the ones that are tend to working to keeping people housed. So they're creating mandatory payment plans. We just don't know what that agreement is. If there's an 18,000 arrears and the tenant only wants to pay $100 every two weeks, is that fair? And is that going to be acceptable? Uh, mm-hmm. Also, if the tenant does make a payment plan and fails that payment plan, can the landlord apply to the landlord and tenant board for a default order, which I believe they will be but the tenant can still apply to the landlord and tenant board for a motion of stay to stay in the unit until they actually have a hearing. If they get the default order that would come because they failed that payment plan. And we don't really know what it looks like when the tenants refuse to do a payment plan. So everything's going to be up in the air of how that's going to be worked out. We have some information now on the N13. Uh, So that's the evictions for renovations, which we need more housing, you know, that is not the popular form, but they want everyone to believe it is. So there is some changes of what's going to be required. So we're going to make sure that we cover that at the conference so that we know, give these people some information because we do have single family homes that can be converted into duplexes, but you do need to get that tenant to leave first. So
1: A ton of information. And then the last part I want to wrap up, I think you mentioned like forms are so, so, so important. But you also brought up such a, a valid point that everyone figures out the investing side first. It's it's cool, it's sexy, they build their little strategy, they acquire the properties, but fundamentally all these real estate uh, investing strategies where it's fix and flips, burrs, whatever it might be, and simple buy and holds, they eventually come back to a, a hole the property for long enough to make some appreciation. Uh, well, at least for you guys on Ontario, I think that's like the main focus. But for the rest of Canada, we look at a principal pay down. And at the end of the day, someone's got to be paying that bill, which is aka your tenant. And if you don't figure out how to manage your properties and and all these things we just talked about, it's sink or swim and the operations and your costs will just unfortunately sink a ship and kill you and you won't last long in this business. So I think what you're offering with the information and the education, it's just so critical to the success of being a private landlord.
0: It is. And it's not talked about enough. You know, the realtors should be sending them to boot camp first uh, before they start saying, sure, sign on the dotted line. Are you sure you know what you're getting yourself into? It's definitely important. And it's more more important now, more so than ever, for the landlords to also know what it's like to advocate and to how to reach out to their elected officials, what letters to write, how they can join other landlords doing the same thing or property managers or housing providers, because we do have a big fight ahead of us. And it's not going to stop, you know, just in Ontario, landlord licensing is just a cash grab that is spreading across the province. It will eventually work itself into uh, other provinces as well, because they see it as There's conversations
1: in Edmonton right now for a licensing program.
0: Yeah. And all it's going to do is increase rents for the tenants. Just like if we have to go ahead and buy different tools and products to help us with our tenant screening, educational courses, we will have to incorporate that cost into the business, and that's what it is. It's a business. It's not a charity. We are private, and we have a right and a duty as homeowners to step up and advocate for your property rights.
1: All right, I've kept you over time. I know that we kind of before got in the air here. You had some other commitments to get to. Let's wrap her up. So, two last questions. One's completely selfish and for me. What was the biggest thing that you learned going through the whole political process? Because that still blows my mind. Like I'm just like, oh. Well, like you, learning you know, so.
0: like through uh running or just yeah running
1: like what was the hardest part or what was like you just total surprise to your shock that you when you went through that process that you would never have guessed like it was an oh, eye-opening or like i think it's oh.
0: more like you're always cautious because you'll have unions that are trying to reach out to you and want to talk to you But you don't want to promise all constituents everything that they want you to promise to get their vote. And that's where you have to be cautious on who you're aligning yourself with because you don't want to have to take their donation and then they expect something in return. So I stood very strong on do not take donations, run with my own money, whatever happens, happens. Because I think that's my field to politics. Now, I think we have too, too many politicians. And this party politics is really a barrier for people like me and like yourself, Mackenzie, that could actually be a stand up counselor or MPP. But the party politics gets in the way and it really discourages people from even wanting to vote. So I I hope to, you know, bring awareness to that as well, because it's not, being a politician is a bad word now these
1: days. (laughs) Uh, It's a challenging industry and I I don't envy any folks that take on that uh, responsibility. Let's wrap up. I know Kayla, you run a substantially large Facebook group that's quite active in Ontario here. For the folks that are not yet joined and wanna learn a little bit more about it, how can they join your Facebook group? Where can they find you at? And then also the name and where they can find to join or to uh, register for your housing conference.
0: Yeah, they can uh, send us a requ- request at Ontario Landlords Watch members uh, group uh, Mention that, you know, either Mackenzie Wilson or, you know, single key so we can get you into the group faster. Uh, once you're in the group, you're going to be able to gain access to the event bright link that for the registration for the conference, it will be up on the website, but not yet. We're just kind of keeping it very exclusive for our members. Now, our speakers are going to be announced on Monday. So stay tuned to that because we've been Uh, really highlighting our sponsors. We're so grateful for all of our sponsors in the real estate community because they're the ones who are really making this event special and unique and that we can put a smile on everyone's face once again for our fifth annual private housing sector conference.
1: Well, Kayla, every time I have a chat with you, I'm always learning something new. So I really appreciate giving your time today and joining us on the For Rent, Conversations The Better the Rental Industry podcast hosted by Single Kiesel. Thank you for being a guest.
0: Anytime,
1: Mackenzie. Wow. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please check out singlekey.com. They are the main sponsor of this podcast. And simply put, it wouldn't be possible without them. We want your feedback. So, again, if you haven't done that and you probably already heard the plug, but send us an email at forrent at singlekey.com. We want it all comments, suggestions, lessons learned, anything that we can tie into this collective conversation with all these different perspectives to truly better the rental industry. We want it all. So let us know what you're thinking. We'll incorporate it into future shows. And if you haven't already and you want to, please subscribe to us and provide us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.